you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Decide to Transform. I'm Tomas Garza, your host, and I've got a very special high-energy guest in store for you today. This is going to be a wonderful conversation. Joining us from Colorado Springs, Colorado, now originally from the universe and born in Miami, is Flip Awesome Aguilera. Now, we've just confirmed that Awesome is Flip's official middle name. Now, Flip is an NSCA, Precision Nutrition, University of Miami sports coach, a blue belt in jujitsu, and a holistic certified coach and founder of Sweat Nation, which he established in 2010. Flip works with clients on rethinking and recreating their stories. And his coaching philosophy encompasses breath, mobility, stability, strength, nutrition, mindset, and being a blue belt in jujitsu, self-defense. Now he's worked with a variety, variety of clients, including CEOs, athletes, actors, actresses, and everyday heroes, taking them to the next level. Now Flip is also involved in several things that we're going to discuss here, engaging events in the community in Colorado Springs, including Nerd Night COS, which I'm gonna ask you about, memoirs, true stories unfiltered, and many other things, engaging the community through storytelling, learning, and accountability. Okay, Flip's life affirmation is to do it by the book, but be the author, all right, originally from the universe, well, and still in the universe, Flip Awesome Aguilera. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Thomas. Uh, you know, it's always weird to hear your bio, right? <laughs> it's like, wow, yes. is that even me that they're talking about? But. It, those those do seem like things that I've done. So here we are. You know, here we are, and I can relate to that. It is a little weird to hear your own bio repeated back at you, but all of it's relevant, and we'll be talking about so much of this here on the show. Let's start with your middle name, which I learned just as we were talking before the show is awesome. So what's the story behind that? When did you if you changed it or if you were born with that i, I don't I know changed, I, I i dubbed i gave myself this name yeah okay cool. and there's two kind of things that there are two ideas of what made me do it one of them is and this is going to sound a little weird but scientology and okay. l ron hubbard mm -hmm. and although i don't subscribe to that ideology i'm one of these people that i i just like to understand why something even exists in the world right so one day there was Scientology, one day there wasn't. The reason there is Scientology today is because L. Ron Hubbard realized that you can do whatever you want to in this world and then went out and did it. And now we're living with the remnants of this weird ideology that he has. So if he can create a cult, I can change my middle name to awesome <laughs> at the very minimum, at least. 
<laughs> yes, yes, you most certainly can. And you're the only person I've ever met with that middle name. So it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great story. <laughs> and, I actually and... met somebody else that has that middle name. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Who, who is this person? His name is Louis Berlin. And he's all out in Miami. And he came up to me after I did like a little talk. And he's like, Oh, your middle name is awesome. And he's like, Well, check out my license my middle name is awesome too and I was like well then you must automatically be amazing because you know <laughs> you know to have that as a middle name is something that you know some people think it's cool but I think if I am going to have that represent me it's because I also have to represent it hmm. right so I have to live up to this middle name now for the rest of my life <laughs> okay all right so yeah and and how do you find living up to that um, I, I, are some days more difficult than others or is it pretty smooth? Of course, some days are difficult than others, but that has nothing to do with my middle name. That has to do with being human, right? Some uh, days yeah. are more difficult than others, but it is, it is interesting to have that as an anchor. It's like, okay, well, today's a hard day. I could, you know, check out or I could live up to this name that I've given myself for being awesome. Yeah, most definitely. And now that you're a coach and you engage your clients in many different, many different things, you know, this is a, it's, it's, it seems really relevant to, to me that you have this to live up to. Um, how did you get involved in coaching? So let's go back to my 20s, just so we can kind of see where I came from. All right. To see how we got to where I am today. So in okay. my 20s, my life was like this. My nine to five was with a liquor distributor. So mm -hmm. I was in bars and restaurants every day with alcohol, every single day. Okay. During the evenings, I had a side business and it was uh, a poker league, like Texas Hold'em. So it was a okay. poker league All where right. I was now in bars and restaurants in the evenings. <laughs> From Thursdays to Sundays, I used to DJ in South Beach. Okay. So that was my life in my 20s. So when I tell people my life was a party for a decade, it was party and gambling for 10 years. <laughs> That's what it was. Now with that, I had, you know, I was married, I had two kids and you know, I never really missed a soccer game. I never missed gymnastics for my daughter. So although I had all these things, I was still very attentive and responsible to the things that I needed to get done. Now, was I mindful and all the stuff that I consider myself now? Not even a little bit. But somehow I got through it. And I think the way I got through it was that I was in my 20s. And when we're in our 20s, we have endless amounts of energy, even though we have absolutely no idea what we're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when I got divorced in 2007, you know, a lot of people, when they get divorced, they what they want to do is go to the bars, go to the, the clubs, go to all the places that I had already been to for a decade. So I didn't want to go to any of those places because... You know, I intuitively felt already that none of those places were going to heal me or, or make me feel any better because all of our friends were there. Everything I knew was there and I needed something new. Now, I didn't know that to making a decision to go biking with a friend of mine who was also a DJ, still a great friend of mine today, would be the thing that completely shifted my life. That one choice of saying, OK, I'll go bike with you 
And in my mind, I was thinking, we're, you know, this was in Miami, so it's pretty flat. I'm thinking we're going to go to a park and just ride around. Then maybe after we'll have a few beers, hang out, you mm -hmm. know, just typical thing like that. When I get there, you know, these it's a group of guys and they're like, here's this helmet. Here's these pads. Here's this bicycle. We're going to let you we're going to go into these trails. And I'm like, OK, I guess we're going to go into these trails, whatever those are. And these guys take me to a place where they take me to go mountain biking. Okay. And I was not mentally prepared or physically prepared <laughs> at that time to have that experience. Mm -hmm. So finally they stopped to take a break and they're like, oh, so what do you think? And I'm like, this place is crazy. I'm going to fall and break my head. And, you know, I didn't know this is what we were going to be doing. And they were like, oh, well, that, that was just the warm up. So, you know, you can go if you want, but we're going to keep going. And I'm like, that's just the warm up. Like, are you kidding me? I'm like, well, I can't leave because I don't know how to get out of here. So I had to follow them the rest of the way. Okay. So finally, at the end of that, you know, finally, they get to the part where we're hanging out, having beers and all that. And uh, they're like, oh, so what do you think now that it's all done? And I'm like, this was crazy. You know, I wasn't prepared for this. You guys are crazy bringing me here. And on the way home that day, I kept thinking to myself, I can't let these guys laugh at me like that. No. And I kept going back to mountain bike every day after that. Okay. And long story short on that, from that very first day where I went to a year later, I went from being a complete novice to racing mountain bikes. Okay. Yeah. Mm. All right. Now, looking back, it's clear now, but when you bike at, you know, like that, I didn't know back then, but what it does is that it makes you be present. Mm -hmm. So every day what I was doing was watering the seed of being present. Because when you're biking, if you let your mind wander, you're going to wander into a tree. You're going to wander into a rock. You're going to wander into something you probably don't want to be wandering into. So looking back, I can clearly see that just that practice every day was a practice of being in the moment, being right here, being right now, which was way better than letting myself fester and all oh, my ex-wife this and, you know, that anger that you can allow yourself to get into. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I thank mountain biking for that. And that was the catalyst that, you know, has made me who I am sitting here today. Now, there's a whole bunch more stories, but I'll let you ask some questions. Oh, sure. Well, let's continue with, with some of those stories. So mountain biking made you present. And then what did your, how did your practice of presence evolve from there? Well, to keep going on that story, three months into that mountain biking journey, I lost 30 pounds. Okay. And not that I was even mm -hmm. overweight, but mm -hmm. I went from, you know, a nightlife style of living to a high intensity activity every day mm -hmm. and those are two separate energy you know levels oh, so yeah. I lose the 30 pounds I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like wow I have these legs but the rest of my body looks like a toothpick and you know living in Miami which is a very vanity type <laughs> of place oh yeah, yeah. you know I was like I, well I don't want to look like this mm -hmm. so my mom while I was growing up and my stepdad ever since he's been in my life the gym or the the garage in my mom's house has always been a gym oh, oh yeah so i was like well let me go visit mom and i can go pump some iron and i start pumping iron and a few months after that i'm looking great and i'm you know looking pretty good but and i'm getting closer to wanting to race these mountain bikes and all of a sudden my right shoulder decides it doesn't want to work anymore oh like i would literally lift it up and the pain would just shut my arm oh, off wow. and okay. it was getting to the point where i couldn't sleep 
it was starting to really get within the quality of my life so you know that's when i was still working for the liquor distributor so i go to the doctor because i had insurance because i was working for a company at that point and i go to the doctor he gives me a cortisone shot and he's like you know just wait a few days and you know if there's no pain you're good to go to keep doing everything that you're doing i take the cortisone shot wait a few days just like he said no pain i go right back to the gym keep doing all the things i'm doing a few weeks after that my left shoulder decides to give out i go back to the doctor again he gives me another cortisone shot and then tells me if you come back again with this same thing we're going to have to open you up and see what's going on and that's when i was like okay let me take a step back here because obviously something i'm doing is not right because i've never had shoulder problems i've never had any injury like this creep up on me like this mm -hmm. so i did what we all do and i went to dr google and you know typed in how to fix shoulder without surgery the thing with Dr. Google, as we all know, is Dr. Google is full of information, good mm -hmm. information, bad information, misinformation. Yeah. And when you don't know what it is you're looking for, when you don't understand the vocabulary yet, it's just a bunch of words to start to try to decipher and put together. Mm -hmm. But I went down the rabbit hole. It took me about a year and a half. But after a year and a half, I was able to move both of my shoulders, no surgery, no pain. And at that point, it was when I decided, okay, I need to stop doing this whole thing with the liquor. This is not feeding my soul. This is not what I want. And that is when I switched and became a personal trainer. Okay. And what year was this? This was 2008 through 2010-ish. Okay. So I opened up my own personal training company in 2010, mm -hmm. or my company, which is Sweat Nation. And that yeah. was 2010. So it took about two years to really shift. Okay. And, and that's, uh, I mean, it takes, sometimes it, we hear stories of people shifting immediately. And then uh, most of the time it's several years. <laughs> but so, you know, to the point where two years can seem almost rapid, I would think to, to some listeners. Now you founded Sweat Nation then, and where did jujitsu enter the picture in this? Well, jujitsu entered the picture in about 2018. Oh, and okay. the funny thing about jujitsu was ever since I got into personal training, which was again 2008, 9, 10 ish, there was a school in Miami called the Valente Brothers. And okay. every time I drove by that school off 163rd Street in Sunny Isles area in Miami, for anybody who might know that area, I always thought to myself, man, I'd really like to check that out. And I never did it until 10 years later <laughs> okay and what the is, day oh yeah oh sorry um what is it that made you want to check that out that time well you know be, being in the wellness and fitness and movement world just movement movement on different types of levels and yeah you know just movement and why not also learn how to defend yourself as well okay and I had taken jujitsu and I've, I've done capoeira I've done karate I've done a whole bunch of different martial arts but Again, I drove by this place for a decade. Just, oh man, one day I should go in there. One day I should go in there. And finally the one day came. And the second I walked in there, my soul told me, why did you take so long to do this? Mm -hmm. Like, it was literally like, I slapped myself in the face. Like, you know, I've been telling you, you know, my intuition is like, I've been telling you. And now is when you're finally listening. And like they say, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is right now. So. Mm -hmm. 
the day that I walked in there, it was just an immediate connection, especially the way that they teach coming from the school that I come from in Miami, because the popularity of MMA has made it that mm-hmm. jujitsu as a sport is really growing because of MMA. Okay. But I don't do jujitsu as a sport. I do it again for self-defense. And there's a few distinctions. The first distinction being that when you do something as a sport, you, you learn it and you practice it within a certain set of rules and guidelines, right? Mm-hmm. Because sure. you, you have to make sure that you don't disqualify yourself because you do something wrong or something like that. So what that effectively does is that it narrows your focus to competing. Where in the street, the only rule is there is no rules, right? Mm-hmm. There are oh, yeah. no rules. So yeah, yeah. another example I can give of that is in a competition, if you turn around and give your back, they're not allowed to hit you in the back of the head or the spine or anything like that. In the street, if you turn around, who's going to be there to stop them from hitting you in the back of the head? Or, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's just distinctions like that. You know, and I completely respect people who have the discipline enough to do the sport. But that is not, again, that is not what my intuition called for me to compete. You know, I competed in mountain biking. I competed in things before. And that's just uh, a level of commitment that... Uh, I don't, I don't have the level of commitment for that right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and you're right. It's a high degree of, of commitment and discipline. Now, um, you're, you're still heavily involved, nonetheless, oh, yeah. in jiu-jitsu, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm teaching it, and I had no intention okay. of teaching it. Oh, so yeah. as I was saying with my school in Miami, the other reason that they were so connected to how or they resonated with me so much is because over there, they consider their school a university. So it's oh. not like, oh, you're just coming and learning how to compete. They teach the history. They teach the philosophy. They'll teach you, oh, how a move has evolved over the centuries. And, and when I moved here to Colorado Springs, I went to like six schools looking for anybody who was teaching like that and everybody is teaching the sport of jiu-jitsu okay so when i went back to miami and told my professors like you know i don't want to stop learning this way what am i going to do like i don't know i'm going to have to deal with these people that only teach this one dimensional way and they're like you know Mm. what you started and i was like are you are you kidding me (laughs) and they're like no you started and i was like you think i could do this and they're like we trust you 100 percent you started okay. and here i am i love it okay well yeah it's, it's like people that want a certain book to be written they must write it themselves so that is what's <laughs> happening go. over here <laughs> all right well i love that now you've moved to colorado springs so having having grown up in miami that, that's quite a difference uh, but what prompted the move well, my wife and I, my current wife and I are empty nesters. Okay. You know, my kids are 20 and 18, off in college doing their thing. Her son is 19, off in college doing his thing. Now, mm-hmm. a little update is he's going to be coming here because he's had his first taste of, of autonomy and has fallen on his face. So now he needs to regroup, <laughs> which is fine, right? It's better to, it's better it's to learn at 19 than it is at, uh, at 49. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So he'll be he'll be coming here to try to regroup and reorganize. And but aside from that, you know, all our kids are grown and we come here every year because we had some friends that lived out here. And we were like, you know, when uh, when Nikki, which is her son, moves out, let's 
let's do something different. Okay. Yeah. Well, and well, difference is good. And I, I'm laughing because I have an 18 year old who's getting ready to start university in less than two months. So, and uh, I, I know there are listeners out there with college age kids who are watching them fall completely on their faces. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Well, they have to, right? They yes, have they to. do. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. I resonate deeply with that. That That's uh that's interesting and, and, and funny in a way, <laughs> because you're right, better at 19 than 49. <laughs> mm -hmm. The thing is that at 19 is where you begin to develop the narratives that you have with something like failure. Yeah. yeah. And right now, I don't think the narrative that my stepson has with failure is a healthy one. Oh, I gotcha. So okay. we're, again, we have to regroup and start to tell him, you, you know, you don't have to see things that way. You can if you want to, but it's going to get you more of what you've got right now. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Now, and, and on that subject of, of narratives, as, as a coach, you're helping people work and, and change, work through and change their own narratives. So what, what caused you to go into this particular type of coaching? Because there are millions of different types of coaches out there. Well, I think when people think of me specifically in South Florida, they think of me as a fitness coach, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, shortly after I got my NSEA, I was training clients and I would continue to get this question of, oh, well, what should I eat? You know, now that I worked out, what should I eat? And back then I thought very much like a bodybuilder. I'm like, oh, eat six times a day, eat some chicken breast, broccoli and some rice. And, mm -hmm. you know, you'll be fine. You know, you'll look great. You'll feel great. And that was me looking back now, knowing, <laughs> not knowing very much about nutrition at all and just giving the advice that worked for me. Mm -hmm, for sure. So in 2012-ish, 13, when I got my precision nutrition certification, I had a client and, you know, she lived during the summer she lived in boston okay mm -hmm. and during the winters she would leave boston and come to miami mm. now her and her husband were part owners of the florida panthers hockey team oh all right and the reason i say that is not to be like oh i was training that <laughs> you know <laughs> it's to yeah. say that money was not really a problem for them mm -hmm. and if you think about where she lived in the summer which is boston which is a medical mecca of the world yeah she still had a medical issue. And what she had was eczema. Mm. And she had been to some of the best doctors in Boston and gotten potions and lotions and pills and they would kind of work, but it was still kind of an underlying factor in her life. When I was doing my nutrition certification, I came across a, a protocol called the autoimmune protocol. Okay. And I had never tried it. I had never even heard of it. This again, <laughs> now I'm starting to expand my mind and all these different nutritional protocols and ways. And I tell her, look, I don't know if what I'm reading is going to work for you. I don't know, but I'm willing to try it with you. I'm like, let's pick 30 days. You picked it. I will print out some recipes. I will, you know, I'll cook some stuff. You cook some stuff. We'll trade. So, you know, let's hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. She was like, okay, let's do it. In 30 days, the side effect was she lost 16 pounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the main effect was that the eczema was gone. Mm. now again she had been to some of the best people in boston and they couldn't make it go away we do this nutritional protocol boom disappears now 
when we started adding some foods back in. So for her, her triggers were things like gluten, uh, nightshade, so tomatoes, peppers, things like that. Mm -hmm. Her body didn't really jive with them. And okay. wine for her, uh, which is, if you mm -hmm. think about that, that's any meal at an Italian restaurant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, you get, you get gluten in the pasta, tomatoes, yes. and a glass of wine. So <laughs> she was not aware of that up until this point. So once she figured it out, I was like, look, you don't need to stop eating these things. But if you're going to eat them, number one, try to eat only one of them. And then give your immune system a chance to bounce back before you hit it over the head again. Where before uh -huh. she was probably hitting it over the head every day. Oh, yeah. So yeah. The, the side effect or the effect was that her body had this, you know, skin reaction. Mm, okay. Well, and yeah, that's uh, every meal in an Italian restaurant, maybe even breakfast too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Now, is this an autoimmune protocol? Is this something that, that you've now had the opportunity to coach more people? In? Yes. Okay. Yes. And other protocols, but that was just the first time that I had stepped outside of the typical, oh, eat six times a day, blah, 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 you know, because yeah. I came from that bodybuilding mentality with my sure. stepfather around. Mm -hmm. So this was now me starting to say, okay, well, there, there, are more, there are more ways up the mountain. And let me start exploring some of these other ways. So, you know, I've done things like autoimmune protocol and the paleo, and I've done gaps and I've been vegan and I've been vegetarian. I, the only thing I haven't done is because it's fairly newer is just the carnivore diet but okay. it's on my list of things to do. <laughs> okay. Well, so, so you've tried it all then or almost all. So what's a, what works the best for you? And, and how do you recommend that if, if someone's coming to you, if I'm coming to you, for example, as a client, what would you recommend? Um, let's start with what you like uh, the best. So what I do is I am very much like the universe. <laughs> all right. the, the universe is dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I'm dynamic. That's why uh -huh. I do different things. Mm -hmm. So there is no one thing that works for me because being that we are not static beings, say, let's say that somebody comes off of the standard American diet, which is acronym, the sad diet, right? And yeah. they go vegan. Okay. <laughs> and for the first six months of going vegan, they're like, wow, I feel amazing. This is great. But in that they also become a zealot. Mm or their veganism. <laughs> and now For another sure. six months down the line, they're like, oh, I'm not feeling as hot as I used to, but it can't be that I'm, you know, I'm eating the best thing ever. And it's like, no, no, it can be because coming from your standard American diet to your vegan diet, yes, you were giving your body some nutrition that it hadn't had for a long time, but now you're only giving it that. And now it's telling you, I've had enough of that. I want something else. But because of your zealotry, you don't want to listen. So there is no one thing. There is constantly be experimenting and seeing, oh, how do I feel today? Oh, well, when I did that, I felt better when I applied this Lego here. Okay. <laughs> so it's right. a constant, okay, for today, I think this, for this, I think this. Mm -hmm. So there is no one way. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, and that makes sense. And I, I love the description of, of yourself and all of us really as dynamic because we're not static beings. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's wonderful. And, and so true. Now I'm curious about presence. This is a word that, that keeps coming up in my mind. 
having begun a practice of presence with mountain biking, how do you practice it now? Well, when I started it with mountain biking, that was not the intention. Right. It wasn't not even at the top of my mind of things. Oh, well, I'm going to be yeah. present while I'm riding my bike. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the seeds happened. Mm-hmm. And now I think the number one thing that I'm constantly trying to do is be as present as possible because you know maybe it's because i'm wiser but the only guarantee that either one of us have is this moment which is the present now and i don't remember if we spoke about it when we had our discussion a few weeks ago but i just recently came down to the you know idea that being present is the closest thing to god that we can be if not being god ourselves yeah. right because when yes. does creation happen it's in the present mm-hmm. and who is god but the creator yeah so when we are in the present and we can be mindful of the decisions we're making in the present we are effectively god <laughs> because those choices are what's going to make our reality yes yeah my only response to that is yes which means that that really is the way it is you you nailed it Uh, this is something that uh, so many people um, whether they call themselves spiritual teachers or not say is is all we have is right now there's a reason it's such a popular saying it's true (laughs) you know but this is it and i forgot what i was reading I forgot what I was reading. I don't know if it was the Dalai Lama or something like that, where he said, the next moment or tomorrow, neither one of us knows which one is coming first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like death or tomorrow. We don't right. know. So <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and um, I, I once had a, a teacher, a, a Buddhist teacher, who loved to say, I don't know if I'm going to be alive for another 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'd better have maybe one more chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> That's what he used to say. He was not a trained nutritionist or holistic health practitioner at all. But, but it yeah, seemed I, like that cookie was bringing him joy. It was. <laughs> it, it was. Treats bring joy, right? Um, in small quantities, anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and creation does happen in the presence and, and, and present moment. And yes, in fact, we did have this discussion when we first spoke a few weeks ago. And who uh, you mentioned the Dalai Lama? Um, who are your your biggest influences? Well, currently? much like nutrition, I'm I. I decided a long time ago that the standard for my life should be that I should live it with a childlike curiosity, right? So Mm -hmm. like when people ask me also, then what is it that you do believe in, Flip? I love my answer. It is very well rehearsed, just like being from the universe. So when people ask me what I believe in, I look them in the face and I tell them I'm spiritually promiscuous. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right? Because everybody has something to offer and much like a lot of things in life. Maybe I read something 10 years ago, but it didn't resonate with me then. But when I read it now, it completely hits me exactly where it needed to. So there is no, but you know, I've read the Bible, I've read the Quran, I've read the Dhammapada, I've read the Vedic scriptures. I've, yeah. I'm just curious. And I don't read them with any preconceived notion of thinking, mm-hmm. well, this is the truth. I just read them like I would read any book. Okay, well, okay, well I'm reading this story. 
what is the message that resonates in this story beyond the surface level and what can I take that works for me and if it doesn't I can you know just put it to the side so yeah that's yeah. my answer <laughs> uh, well, I, I love this. And I think that's really resonant with uh, anyone who's listening to this show, to the show in, in particular. I love the term spiritually promiscuous. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that. And I think we've <laughs> just nailed the title of this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and there's so much to that because everything in that's currently in existence in terms of spirituality is available to us in the 21st century at the click of a mouse. We can find as much information as, as we possibly could get our hands on. And as far as, as when you work with people, do you find yourself teaching spirituality when you're coaching? How, how much does that play into it? Well, in the beginning, I try to align myself with whatever it is that they are connected with, right? Gotcha. So say, yeah, you know, yeah, Colorado yeah. Springs is a very heavy Christian community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So should I come in here and tell them, oh, well, you know, Christianity, it's, eh, it's, it's just okay for some things, but you should be a Buddhist there. You know, that's, I need to meet people where they are. Yeah. And as we plant the seeds of discovery, mm -hmm. that's where you can be like, you know, where, you know, there's this other message that I got from this other set of ideas that might work for you here right now. Now, again, if you don't like it, it's not for you. But if it is, it is. But I also have this concept of when I start working with people, before I even make them do anything, I take them through a whole PowerPoint presentation of what it would even be like to work with me, number one. Yeah. And number two, I also use that PowerPoint presentation as if you can understand everything that we just went over, then it's going to make it easier for you to take action. Because when you understand something, mm -hmm. you can take action on it. And the reason I bring this up is because I tell people, you know, I start with breath, right? Breath yeah. is one of the most important things that we have, because without it, we're not here. So then I turn around and tell people, would it surprise you if I told you that breath was not the foundation of your wellness? And of course, most people are like, what are you talking about? I thought you were going to exactly say that breath is the foundation. And I tell that breath is not the foundation. Breath is the earth that you put your foundation on, right? You're sitting in your home right now. It's got a foundation. What is that foundation on? It is on earth. It's on earth. It's and here it's, here it's on dirt and pebbles. But the earth is, <laughs> it's all it's the things that are here, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. if we put our home with a great foundation on a part of the world that mudslides, what's going to happen to that foundation? As great as it is. That's going to disappear. It's, it's going to slide down. right down, right? Literally so down. breath yeah. is the earth that you put mm -hmm. your foundation on okay. so you want to make sure you're putting your foundation on some good earth mm -hmm. so the very first assessment i give people is a breathing one because right. if they're breathing wrong or incorrectly they're sending signals to the body with every breath where if they're breathing in a different way they're sending a different set of signals to the body so which one are you sending are you sending a fight flight or freeze type of breath mm -hmm. through your system all day or are you sending a rest, recover, digest type of breathing. Now, 
the foundation of wellness, of optimizing wellness, I tell people then is mobility. Like I'll draw a little pyramid and at the bottom of the pyramid is mobility. Mm. And mobility is your ability to move, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally as well, yeah. right? Because if you're yes. stuck, if you're stuck and you lack mobility, that's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're stuck. Yeah. So, so how do we get unstuck? And this is why I want to bring your question back around. If I'm dealing with somebody who's Christian, Muslim, whatever they are, and I, I get to that part of mobility and I begin to ask and probe and be like, okay, do you feel that you are as open as you can be? Because the thing is, once you think you're right, you're automatically immobile because you think you're right. You don't need to learn anymore. Right. You're done. So then I ask them, would you be standing here in front of me if you thought that you were done learning? And of course, most people are know, and it's like, okay, so all the things you think you know, think you know them, but also realize that there's an infinite amount more that you know even less about. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. That's, that's true of all of us, yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. When we think we're right, that really limits the playing field. <laughs> that's it, you're right. Yeah. What else and, do you need to learn when you're right? Yeah, it also doesn't make us very many friends. <laughs> and yeah, I went through that in my 20s because in my 20s, I was a hardcore atheist. Oh, oh <laughs> I was okay. like, interesting. Right. Militant atheist. Yeah, I got it. All right. You know, all these stories are so stupid and blah, blah, blah. And if you don't believe like I believe, you're mm. stupid. Right. Oh. And I wanted to fight people and debate people. Mm. And thank goodness I grew out of that. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah that, that's that's nice it, it certainly has made your life more enjoyable <laughs> and richer <laughs> mm -hmm, for sure no question about it and the flip i've got a couple of questions for you about your engagement and, and engaging events that you've begun in in colorado springs now when we spoke earlier a few weeks ago this was something that we spent some some time on and i'd like to ask you here on the show what started you doing all of these events? So when I moved to Colorado Springs, of course, I moved right in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> and so that right off the bat makes it hard for me to grow my business here, or, or it was making it a, a, an obstacle because my business is very much of a people. I need to be in front of people yeah. and actually be able to touch them and you know, right. give them a personal experience. Yeah. So with everything being closed down, that was very difficult. And as things started opening up a little bit, I started to realize that some of the events that I would go to in Miami don't exist here. Okay. So there's mm -hmm. a girl named Enid Nalasco, and she runs an event called Raw Storytelling down in Miami All right. or in Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. And when I got here, there was nothing like that. And then another friend of mine named Melly, she would do nerd night Miami down in Miami. Okay. And mm -hmm. when I got here, there was nothing there like that. So as things started opening up, I was like, well, you know, let me see if I can get these things to, to manifest themselves here in Colorado Springs, because I don't want to stop going to events like this. And I know I can't be the only one that wants something like this. So then I created first was memoirs, true stories, unfiltered. And that is a true storytelling event. And uh, there's three storytellers for the evening. And there's always a theme. 
So mm. the last mm -hmm. theme was schools out, the theme we just had in June. And the first girl was talking about how when she was growing up, she was a Mormon. And when she left the Mormon faith, for her, school was out because that's the only, you know, that's the only identity she had had up until that point. And the only people yeah. around her were those types of people. So when she started to distance herself from that faith, all the people started to distance themselves from her. So for her perspective of schools out was like, you know, when I left this ideology, for me, what I thought was school was now a completely different experience. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So that was her story. And then the middle girl, man, that story was just very, very powerful. And it was about uh, her and her sister, and they were being physically and sexually abused by mm. their stepfather. Oh. And she was nine when this happened. And she would write it in her journal. And one day the teacher, you know, made an assignment to, you know, write in your journal and then she was going to read them. And she wrote about something that happened that specific weekend. And obviously when you give that to an adult <laughs> and they read that and they're reading the things that are happening, you know, the teacher immediately left the room, went to go call the authorities and like it ended up being this big situation. And for her, sure. once that happened, school was out because she had to leave school she had to get into foster care like it was this whole and all she wanted was to go back to the way school was before because it was the only safe place she had and now that wasn't even a safe place anymore either because now that everybody knew so she felt like everybody was looking at her and yeah and yeah so that was oh, her wow. story and then the last guy was uh a guy that had an injury when he was 15 and because of that injury he could not go to school and all he wanted to do was get back to going okay. to school so you know so that's what i like about memoirs is that i kind of make the themes vague because you just never know what perspective people are going to take on that yeah yeah that, that's really interesting i'm glad you illustrated that with those examples because that's three very very different takes on schools mm -hmm. out yeah. a common phrase now how often do you have memoirs memoirs is the last monday of every month last monday of every month all right and uh, and how long does it typically run there doors open at 6 30 and we're usually done around nine okay and uh, now because things are in some places uh, quicker than others, returning to the way they were, um, I hesitate to say normal. In fact, I won't say normal, but uh, the way they sort of were, right? Uh, is this in person? It is in person. Okay. Mm -hmm. Perfect. I was never planning to do it not in person, which is why I kind of had to wait on it until yeah. things started to open up because Good. this yeah. is this is something that when you have a room full of people and they're all doing the the thing that we all need to practice doing and that's sitting down shutting up and listening <laughs> yeah and you have a whole <laughs> room of people and you feel the emotions mm -hmm. you know rise and fall with these people's story and you know there's just nobody saying anything it's just everybody's riveted and this is a real story of somebody being vulnerable enough to share you know yeah. some something they've been through in life that's and amazing it's, it's it's beautiful actually it's okay. very powerful yeah yeah that that's very very powerful indeed and it sounds like it in front of a live audience so there's a lot of sharing on a lot of different levels going on there now tell us also because i'm curious tell us about nerd night what is nerd night 
What is that all about? So Nerd Night is not something that I made up either. Nerd Night is in about 80 cities worldwide. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a thing. And Nerd Night, you know, back in, I guess, eight, 10 years ago, when I started going to Nerd Night, their original catchphrase is be there and be square. <laughs> oh, all you right. know, that's kind of just like whatever. So then they started to add the tagline. It's like the Discovery Channel with beer. Okay. But who has the who has cable anymore? So now people don't really watch the Discovery Channel. Right. So now the newest thing that people describe it is they say it's like boozy TED Talks. <laughs> okay. So it's like TED Talks, but in a fun and social environment. It's usually in a bar. You know, we try to have make it fun. There's good music in between the 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 presenters and okay this doesn't have a theme like memoirs but there's three presenters it's a basically the same format okay but nerd night is more you need to teach the community something practical or something that you're an expert in so it's it's a little more lighthearted and fun mm -hmm. but well, yeah and i think the boozy ted talks brings up quite an image of, of lighthearted and fun mm -hmm. <laughs> and the fact that it's run at a bar. Now, how often is Nerd Night? Nerd Night is the third Wednesday of every month. Third Wednesday. All right. Now, if someone who lives in the Colorado Springs area is interested in finding out more about this or in signing up perhaps to, to speak, how would they reach you? So there's a few ways you can just email memoir for memoirs. It would be memoircos at gmail.com. You can also go to the Facebook group or the Instagram, which are both also memoircos. And then for Nerd Night, it would be nerdnightcos at gmail.com. Or you can uh, go to the Facebook or Instagram as well, which is nerdnightcos, and just send us a message and We'll connect with you and uh, get you in the pipeline to be a presenter or storyteller. I love it. All right. And, and for people that live in that area, uh, that, is there a wait list for these? A little bit of a wait list. Okay. But the thing is that my goal is to get three to six months worth of presenters already kind of Beautiful. set. Beautiful. So. Okay. All right. Well, so we're going to go through different ways that people can get a hold of you for different things here. But for memoirs, it's memoirscos at gmail.com or Instagram and Facebook with the same handles. Yes. And Nerd Night. Now, is Nerd Night spelled N I T E? Yes. Okay. All right. Nerd Night, N I T E. COS at gmail.com. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Beautiful. And also on Instagram and Facebook, if you live in the Colorado Springs area, or if you want to drive down from Denver or fly in, uh, who knows, right? People are absolutely looking forward to meeting in person for good reason. <laughs> so sure. this, this is really wonderful. Now, and, and Flip, then if people wanted to get a hold of you for coaching or for any of your other businesses, how would they reach you for that? So for coaching, you can email sweatnationworld.com. And my website is sweatnationworld.com. You okay. can also on Facebook, it's sweatnation, all one word. All right. Um, so that's for that. I also have a podcast. It's called Wait. And it's spelled W-E-Y-T. And it's okay. an acronym for What's Engaging Your Thoughts. Oh, I love it. All right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that one, you can just w wait at 
weightshow at gmail.com. Mm. And it's on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, it's everywhere. Beautiful. Instagram, IGTV, all the places. I love so it. You can find that there. What else? What are some of the other things? And yeah, you could just look me up on Facebook as Flip Aguilera or Instagram at Flip Awesome Aguilera. And yeah, send me a message. Let's connect and uh, have a discussion. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. So, so many different ways that people can reach out to you for so many things. Well, and you know, you mentioned a word a few minutes ago in a slightly different context, but dynamic is the word. So, you've got a lot going on, and I've actually learned a great, great deal. We, enough listeners, we had a conversation, a really fun, engaging conversation, as we referred to a couple of weeks ago, and I've learned a tremendous amount on top of that. So Flip, this has been really wonderful. It's been an honor to have you here on the show. And before we wrap up, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? So the first thought that just came to mind is do the difficult while it is still easy. I love it. Right? Mm -hmm. Do the difficult while it's still easy. However that resonates with you, it resonates with you, but don't wait to try to uh, overcome the obstacles. Start building yourself now while things are easy so that when the obstacles come, you're already practiced in overcoming them. Yes, all right, I love it. Do the difficult while it's still easy. And it just brings to mind the teenage, college-age kids who need to be allowed to stumble and, and fall, um, perhaps spectacularly at 18 or 19, instead of 50. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still getting a laugh out of that one. And I know a lot of listeners will be too. So uh, Flip, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really wonderful opportunity to connect. And I've learned a great deal. This has really been a, a wonderful experience for me. Thank you again for joining me here. Thank you so much for inviting me and thank you for your time and attention because it's the greatest gift we can give to each other. It is that. All right, guys, this has been Decide to Transform with Flip Awesome Aguilera. And thank you for tuning in. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>